Lucky episode number 13. Is it going to be lucky? It is going to be horseshoe-esque. If it's lucky, then you'll tell me that this is all a nightmare and the Seahawks are really playing on Sunday in Los Angeles against the Rams. That's the only thing that will make this lucky. Only one other thing. If you told me, like, my favorite Mariner, Dustin Ackley, was coming back, that would do it, too. But you're <laughs> well, not you're, you're t- one for two. You're not going to tell me that, right? You're one for two. The Seahawks are done. Oh, God. Really? It's, it's tough. It's tough. Jason Locken Four is going to be uh, with us on episode number 13, and he's already in trouble. Have you been following this? Yeah. He's already in trouble for something that he said on this episode that hasn't even been aired yet. Well, certain people have heard it or have via tweet. That's right. I figured I was just figuring it might be fun to tweet a quote of his out. He's very, very harsh on the new Green Bay Packer uh, coach, Mm -hmm. and um, he's in trouble for it already. And we haven't even aired the interview yet. And all the Packer fans are, are very, very upset. The that's, Packer world, very upset with Jason That's Lockenford. not unusual. Is that true? Packer fans are. They don't want to hear anything different. negative about their, their head coach, yeah. their brand new head coach. Uh, Warren Sharp, you probably don't know that name. Most of our audience won't know the name Warren Sharp. He's kind of a sabermetrician. Do you know what a saber, yeah, like a yeah, baseball? Yeah, baseball sabermetrics but, guy? But, but now, for football? For football. Okay. Football is slowly catching up to baseball using analytics and numbers and data, and he does it, mm-hmm. and probably does it as well as anybody, so well that teams use him as a consultant. Mm-hmm. And he was really outspoken about what the Seahawks did or didn't do. And he uses numbers to back up oh. what he's got to say. And so... We invited him on Mitch Unfiltered, or I invited him yeah. on Mitch Unfiltered. So he's on this show. Um, Jeff Goodman, you know that name. I do. One of the top college basketball insiders in America. Worked for ESPN for a long time. Pac-12, Washington, Duke, Kansas, Tennessee, Virginia. We're going to talk about it all. How many wins does Washington need? Talk about that. Plus, a special surprise. That's no longer a surprise. We're going to have the head basketball coach, of the unbeaten O'Day ninth grade team on today's Mitch Unfiltered podcast. <laughs> That's funny. That was really funny. You, your face. Look at your I was face. like, uh, first of all, when you were like, we're going to have the head basketball coach, I was yeah. like, oh, who, yeah. who is this? Yeah. Who is this? Yeah. And then when Did you it said, not register when no. I said ninth grade O'Day high school? Well, when you said ninth grade, then you said O'Day. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? I've heard about? they're a juggernaut. I heard that no one can even play him within 40 points. Listen, is this true? They, Ab- they beat Garfield the other night by 50. Okay. Do they have they ever have they been challenged yet? No. Do you know anybody on that team? No. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue, Zeke's and Daniels Broiler are charter sponsors. Uh, stoked, by the way, about the brand new fourth location of Daniel's Broiler at the new Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle. Biggest hotel in the Pacific Northwest. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, seven days a week. Valentine's Day is a coming. Don't wait. All of the Daniels fill up fast. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. It's okay to have a game plan going in, but when you're so stubborn and unwilling to get away from it because the other team is essentially daring you to do so, then we get into stupidity. Unfiltered. Guess that's what really kind of infuriates me, that we go to the offseason after a game that the quarterback was really not given a chance to win the football game for you. That's a quarterback who's the face of the organization, 
That's a quarterback who, as I say, in a couple of years or in a year, they're going to give, I don't know, $25, $30 million a year to. And yet it just feels to me like they took the ball out of his hands. Mitch is unfiltered. So just before recording this episode number 13, I throw on the Twitter. The Twitter? The Twitter. Yeah. That uh, we're going to be recording, and if anybody has any requests, story requests, or questions, or mailbag Mm. stuff, to send them in. And you, okay, so we need to do a trade right now. Mm -hmm. We need to teach one another. Okay. You threw something out that I've heard, I've heard the name Periscope before. Yeah. And I I, I fancy that it's it's video on some level. Yes. But you, you took what I said and thought, oh, I should do Periscope. Yes. What does that have to do with a mailbag? What does that have to do with requests? What does that have to do with questions? I, I didn't follow why that triggered your reaction. What is exactly oh, Periscope it's a, it's that you a, want to do? It's a subsidiary of Twitter, right? It's the, a lot, the Twitter. It's, the Twitter. So the Periscope. Yeah, the, the Periscope. <laughs> the Periscope allows you to go the live. Yeah. Uh, the live and take, you know, have have your face, your beautiful face and my face potentially on the screen and people can join the conversation. You can watch individuals from all over the world on Periscope. Yeah, I think I understand that. So right. if I wanted to if I wanted my mom in Florida to watch her grandson play a basketball game. Yeah. I could do it on my phone and she could be watching it on her computer she, or her phone or how does that could, work? She could, but the Periscope. It would be her and whoever else decided to join in because it Oh, would, you can't do a private It thing. would come from the Twitter sphere. Oh, so anybody could watch yeah. my son play basketball. Yes. If, if I would, if I'm filming yes, it for, on Periscope. Yes. Is it called filming it? Would, he, would you be calling it well, filming? It's I don't not think filming. You're recording. And you, but you, you're, you're broadcasting. And I live. thought you were making a joke, like a funny. No, no, you were making I was a funny. Dead serious. You understand that you need my permission. Yeah, that's 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 not a gray that's area. That's debatable. No, you need my. Hold on a second. I would never video you. Oh, I would tell you I'm going to video you, whether you said I didn't want to be videoed and I listened to you. That's <laughs> that, <laughs> that's that, not fair. I mean, where you already you already snapped a picture of me when I wasn't paying attention. Do people know this that- story? Do people know this story? You've you've brought this up several times about me taking a photo of you. Do they know what actually happened? I don't know. You tweeted it out, and I didn't even know until after you had tweeted it that I, you had even I taken a picture you. of me. I told you I was tweeting it out. No, you told me after you had tweeted it out. Well, I thought you would love to see yourself on no, Twitter. No, I know. Did you not listen to episode one? I, <laughs> I have a terrible... I did. I have a terrible problem with that. I, I did. I'm working on that. I did. Okay, go back and listen to episode one. Yeah, There's uh, a little portion in there, and if you think I'm not serious... I know you're serious. Okay? I know you're serious. I have a problem with that. So you're coming in here with a guy... Who 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 gave you who who gave you everything I could give you in episode one? Yes, you're coming in with Paris the periscope. The periscope. You're coming in with the periscope on a guy who doesn't even like to see himself in the mirror, without even asking. You're just going to put. And by the way, how would you be on that video? Can 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 I talk? Sure. Okay. I'm done. Okay. Prior to me taking that photo of you, Mitch. Yeah. Did you take a photo of me? And it's a yes or no. Did you take a photo of me? Yes. Okay. Were you going to post that photo? Did you say, oh, I'm going to post this yes, photo? Yes, I did. Yeah. The reciprocal was I was going to take a photo of you and post it. You just happened to be doing something and I posted mine first. Now, if you have, okay. a, if you have a problem okay, with you, that. You've pushed me to do it. I'm going to do it. What are you going to do? Bullshit. <laughs> 
Okay, that is the biggest bunch of bullshit I have ever heard. That happened. Uh, it ha- all all but of that not, happened but in you're, the way that but I you're described leaving, it. But you're leaving out a huge part of the story. The part of the story You're is, leaving out a huge part of the story. The get, part of the story no, that you're leaving out get, is that when I took the photo of you, yeah. you sm- you were looking at me. You knew I was taking the photo. I would not take a photo with you of you when you didn't know. Okay. You had your phone in your hand. I put the camera up. I took a photo. You were f- very much aware. Yeah. And then I said, I'm going to tweet it out yeah. as opposed to you taking a picture of me, not knowing that you were taking a picture of me uh-huh. and tweeting it out, not knowing that you were going to... So I I didn't, I didn't know, A, that you were going to take a picture, and mm-hmm. B, I didn't know that you were going to tweet it when you knew, A, I did take a picture, and I was going to tweet it. Those are two, especially for a guy yeah. with a, I, you, you that goes saying, to see a psychiatrist yeah. every week about this. And you, you've said that now a couple of times, and I, I'm not going to discount that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But when you also say, with the caveat of taking the photo, yeah. hey, this would be good. I think people will want to see us doing the show when i took your photo exactly i didn't say that about my that, photo but let me just say you said this would be good and i'm thinking yeah this would be good let me take a photo of mitch in a reciprocal way because i think the same thing the reciprocal way though would be for me to be aware that you were taking the picture that's so that i could prep my hair i could go into the bathroom oh, i could you know i'm not trying put to a do little this gel for in. your angles I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to get your good side all right, so Paris. So you want to do Periscope? Well, I think. Are we doing it right now? Are you doing Periscope? How would you be on? I, I don't. Have- I, of course, I'm not doing it now because you berated me about taking that photo. I would never go live without you. Without I t- your I tell you, express written consent. Of course, and I, of the, you, you need of the that National yeah, Levy League. Yeah, <laughs> National Levy League. Yeah. Well, why don't you um, just warn me in advance? Yeah. Or you'll come over. I'll be like in a tuxedo. <laughs> With perfect, I'll be all dialed up. Okay, you know the fringy. The fringy. people are going to be disappointed that I tweeted out that I was well, going to go live on Periscope, thinking that you were going to be like, yeah, you know what? That's something that we should do. We should okay. go live you, on Periscope okay. again. I'm going to say bullshit because you know that I would. You knew that I would hate that idea. I did. Are you now pretending? I like did. You thought I, knew. I would like it. Okay. I knew, but it's fun. Okay. See, now I said the BS word. The, the whole thing is up now, the it's whole great. thing, but I don't know how to rate the show now. Do I have to put like strong language? I don't know. When I do this, I, it's, it asks me clean, clean show, or I don't know what to, I don't know what to put. I, 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 I cursed on the show. I cursed on the show. So now, uh, now that I know what Periscope is, would you like to know what, what betting lines are? I do. I do. I do. So you want to set that up because last, yeah, you set it up on the last episode and, and this, you know, I, I have, I have been on other I have been a guest on other radio show programs where they've asked my opinion about who's going to win, who's going to lose against the spread, right? And I always forget the minus three or plus, if you're taking the points or not taking, I typically just say, I think these guys are going to win because I I don't think about those. Because you're not a wager. I'm not a wager. I don't, I have not paid attention to gambling my entire life. And you don't even, this is just uh, some, some, to put it into context, you don't even play for a Nassau on the golf course. Like you won't even play for a dollar on the front, a dollar on the back, a dollar I, overall. I used to I used to not up until maybe a couple of years ago. But yeah, when you and I used to have this conversation way back, yeah. I didn't as much golf as I played, I would never never, never wager. Never. And never then, a skins game, nothing. No. And then I kind of got roped in. Yeah. <laughs> I played with, I played with a guy that was just like, this is what we're doing. This this is the game. And he was probably hosting you. He was <laughs> 
this is the game. This is the game. And I'm like, yeah. All I right. Mean, so you understand the plus and the minus, right? I do now. Okay. Well, this is a big thing. This gambling thing, you know, is going to be around for a while. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard. So you understand plus or minus. I do. You understand that the underdog is plus. And the favorite is minus. minus you yes. got you yes. got that right. Yeah. But you asked me when you walked in tonight before the Periscope conversation, yeah. before I cursed for the first time on uh, on podcast yeah. Mitch Unfiltered. You asked about the money line. I did. Okay, it's very simple. All right, very very simple. It may be a little more complicated for you just because you never have seen this before. But you see minus one seventy five. Yeah, or you, plus one eighty or something like that. Okay, so it's the same thing. If you see a minus sign next to a team, one team's going to be minus and one team's going to be plus. Mm. Actually, the truth is that both teams could be minus. If they're exactly even, okay. it would be minus 110, and we'll get to that in a second. So if you're going to typically see in a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game, a team is minus and a team is plus. So if you see minus 175, mm-hmm. for example, let's use that as an example. Alabama minus 175 against Clemson, who is probably at that point plus 160. Okay. Okay. So one team's minus one seventy five. One and they don't have to be equal. It no, doesn't have to it's be. N- it's never going to be equal okay. because there's a house. Mo- the house money is built in. There's oh a house right, money right, built right, in. right, 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 right. So okay. if you see minus one seventy five, mm-hmm. that means Alabama for you. If that that means you're ba- you're wagering on when it's money line, there are no points involved. Okay. It's who wins the game. Yep. All other bets are plus three, minus right. three, plus six, okay. minus six, right? Yeah. Yep. This is a money line. They're saying, okay, we'll allow you to wager on this game that Alabama's a big favorite in, and we'll allow you just to take Alabama to win the game by one point or so. So no, yeah, spread. no spread. But if we're going to do that, you got to give us odds. So when it says minus 175, they're saying for every dollar and 75 cents that you bet on Alabama to win the game, we'll give you a dollar back. Okay. So the ones minus one seventy five is one seventy five to win a dollar. Got it. So and, and conversely, every, if it was plus one eighty, it's a dollar. You wager a dollar, you win a dollar eighty. Got it. Okay. You now understand money right. lines. And so if it was minus one seventy, and I don't even know what it was, minus one seventy five on Alabama, you would have had to bet a dollar seventy five or a hundred and seventy five dollars or any number you know that is equal to that right. to win. The dollar one for every one dollar and seventy five cents, you win a dollar. And if Clemson was plus one sixty, everybody who bet on Clemson to win and they're very happy, yeah. every dollar they bet, they got one dollar and sixty cents back mm-hmm. because they're betting on Clemson to win a game when Clemson is getting Not points to win the game, yeah. and they're getting yep. points. So yep. they're saying to you, okay, you want to you want to bet on Clemson but not take the points, then we'll give you some incentive to do that, and that's what the plus is. And so now you know. I got it. Do you think you'll remember? You probably no. I'll I'll remember that because I mean it. It's not it's not super super complicated. I think the yeah. fact that I was I just didn't understand why. I were, because here's what threw me is one of the things you said that I think is interesting. I didn't know, of course. Why would I know? Because I don't gamble. But I didn't know that you could just wager on the money line by itself. So I would see the plus and minus for the favorite and the underdog yes. and then go, what is this money line? Why right. is this thing over right. here? And then hear people talk about right. the the play is the money line. Like right. what does that even mean? Right. That's what and, I And I, the and the and what it means is you're betting the game without any point spread. Okay. You're just betting a winner and a loser. So let's say the Golden State Warriors played the worst team in the NBA. Yeah. And you wanted to bet the Golden State right. Warriors. They're well, saying, they're well, saying you can do well, it, but it's expensive. Here's a better example where it's essentially all money line, and that's boxing. 
because there's no point to it. Sure. So when Buster Douglas fought Mike Tyson, yeah. and we now know that Buster Douglas was 42 to 1, right? What they're saying is for every $1 yeah. on Buster Douglas, you got 42 yeah. back for every $1. Yeah, yeah. Conversely, it must have been for every $38 you bet on Mike Tyson. So I bet the, I go to the cashier and I say, I'm going to bet $38 on Mike Tyson. And she says, okay. Yeah. And she gives me a ticket. And when, let's say he won. I would punch the ticket in and you know how much she'd give me? A buck. No, she'd give me 39 my thirty-eight oh, 30 back, back. Yeah, okay. my thirty-eight a dollar back. To win, a so dollar my profit win. Yeah. is one dollar yeah, on yeah. a thirty-eight dollar bet. Yeah. yeah, and by the way, there were a lot. Of, I, I think there were some tickets. Some tickets on on uh, Mike Tyson at forty-two to one against. Uh, anyway, so there's thank our you. little lesson. I appreciate, and that. I thank you for the Periscope. Thank you very much for the Periscope. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry for my language, and I I, I kind of feel. Well, bad. I appreciate the photo. The photo. I appreciate you now acknowledging I took the photo of you and and and. What am, I acknowledge, what am I you acknowledging? Know, that you, you were wrong about how... I'm not acknowledging okay. that at all. How about, by the way, uh, before we get to all these great interviews, how about some of this stuff that's going on, like Nicky Saban getting his ass handed to him Ooh. on Monday night? How about this kid, uh, Trevor Lawrence? You think it's good to be Trevor Lawrence right now in Clemson, South Carolina? I would with, say the, with the locks? You think the Walking flowing, around? The he's the locks. second true freshman to win a national championship game in history. And he's walking around at what six five, six six, big man on campus, mm-hmm. true freshman. The, now the girlfriend's making the rounds. Have you been following this? Oh, I don't know. Mel. Oh yeah, he's got a girlfriend who is a part soccer player, a college soccer player, and a model. Okay, she's a she's got an agent and an agent. Oh, she's so in an she's agency. for real. She's a not, for real. not just like an Instagram. She model goes to that, so, let me see on her own. She goes to something like called Anderson College. I guess she doesn't go to Clemson, okay. but it sounds like it's in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And they've been dating for two years, and so she's now she's gone viral. Real pretty girl, sure. plays soccer, model with a modeling agency. There's pictures of him on the beach with her from June, and all, the whole thing. I mean, and and where are you on? I mean, you probably have an opinion on this. The guy can't go to the NFL. He can't right. go to. He's got to play two more years. Him and the wide receiver, two more years. Yeah. Should that is that fair? That is doesn't seem like fair? the American way. It's not fair, but that's 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 not the NCAA. That's the NFLPA. That's right. That's bargained. And so should we let these guys? There's nothing they can do. The NFLPA is not going to allow young guys like that to come in and take veterans' jobs. Like that's not something that they're readily going to do. Even though it should be like basketball. You know, my whole thing with basketball is don't even come. But if you come, stay too. That's me. Kind of like the baseball thing. Yeah, I think baseball's That's baseball. three. It's, it's three, but it's either leave out of high school yeah. or once you commit to play, you got to be here for three yeah, years. I think and football is you got to be three years in the program. So a guy that's a true freshman's got to play a sophomore and junior yep. years. Yep. How does how does Clemson? How do you think Clemson feels about Great. their chances the next couple I think, of years? I think that's with why him, when they, all those guys when they asked him after how many titles do you think you can get? Unbelievable. Can I just? I, you're going to laugh at me, and I tweeted this out, but I'm I got to get it in. I got to get it in. How many how many points did Clemson beat Alabama by? You know, I, I got to be honest. Was I don't it, even know. 44, 44 to 18 it, or something? 44, 44 to 16? 16, something yeah, like that? Something like that. Okay, yeah. so was it 28? Was it, um, 28. I, I'm, you, you like to say just saying, so yeah. I'm just going to do a just saying. Yeah. Um, fourth or fifth game of the year in Clemson, South Carolina, on their home field. Here we go. I already know where you're Here we go. 
you have a hurt quarterback. You have a hurt quarterback. You bring in a, basically a walk-on quarterback for Clemson to come in. and He, he played in this game. He Trevor saved, played it. He, he scored at the very, very end of the fourth quarter to win the game. I'm just saying. 27-23, Syracuse leads Clemson with 40 seconds to go on their home field. And you think it's a fluke? One year almost to the day after Syracuse beat Clemson the year before yeah. in the Carrier Dome. Yes. And so, therefore, by the transitive property, <laughs> yeah, right. Syracuse, better than Alabama. That's all I'm saying. Just saying. They hung oh with them. Gosh. Better than Alabama. The Q's, the Harvard of Central New York, <laughs> and you just don't forget that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, playoff games this weekend. Colts, Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Cowboys, Rams, um, <laughs> Chargers, and Patriots. I still want to puke, even though that was the title of episode number 12. Chargers and Patriots, Eagles, and Saints. Yes. I have a question for you. Yes. Are you the kind of guy that dislikes certain athletes? Like where you go, I hate that guy. I hate rooting for him. Oh, you need to say. <laughs> Uh, I wonder uh, if I'm being, am I being hooked in right uh, now? Okay, go ahead. What are you asking? Me? So, are you that kind of guy that you actually you hate an athlete? I, I don't hate athletes for um, for like being great in in their sport. Okay, how do you? Feel they like- have to. They'd have to do something either their personality or something outside of their sport for me to dislike them. Sure. I'm not a big Phil Mickelson fan. I've for heard an example. I've um, heard that. I'm not. I, I, people who remember the show for years and years and years will give you. Will tell you. Will confirm this. Before anything happened to Lance Armstrong, before anything came out about, before anything was even thought about, yeah. I was what's go. I, I did not like. There was something. There was something about Lance Armstrong I never liked. So there are athletes, yes, that I dislike. I'm not a, like a Tom Brady. I, I root against. I root against. Is that who you're going to? Hate him. Really can't stand him. See, I'm picking the Chargers in that game. That's my other problem against Jason Lock. Philip Rivers can't stand him either. Oh yeah. So we've got. Here, here's the thing. This is a can't stand, can't stand them. This is a why? Gr- this is a grudge. Did they match. do something? To no, you? they just there's some. I didn't used to not like Tom Brady, but over time he's just, just too much success, or is it his no, personality? It's not it's what just, is it? Like, I, I think, what is it there, Jason? You I, want, you I want to lay down. I, I don't. I've got people. You do <laughs> got some folks. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. Tom Brady just over the years, I just he's, you know, maybe it's all the off the field stuff. It's 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 worn me down a little bit on him. The deflate gate and all that stuff. Maybe yeah. that, a little bit of here, whatever. a little bit of there. Yeah, and just kind of the things that he gets away with on the sideline that I don't think other NFL players, even of high quality caliber Hall of Fame type players, either do or say. And he gets a pass on everything about his attitude. Oh, he's just competitive and he wants to win, and he he can demean other players and yell at coaches, and no one says a word because he's so successful. Right. Yeah. So it's just worn me down. Yeah. Philip Rivers. Yeah. For a very similar but not successful reason, he's had great numbers. He's just whiny and he's super competitive. I get that, but there's something about him that I don't like. Yeah. I am cheering for Philip Rivers in this year. In this, yeah, you got to cheer for Philip Rivers. I just you got to cheer for Philip. Sorry, that was my rant. Well, I, I I think a lot of people will be able to relate to both of yours. In fact. I was I was of the same opinion about Philip Rivers when he was younger as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself softening on Philip Rivers. Really? Yeah. Over the years, I have. 
just from different interviews. I think he was much more brash when he was younger. I think he was yelling and trash talking, you know, like sidelines. Oh, he still does. Uh, not he's as horrible. much. Oh, as, oh, and yeah, he's yeah. got like 40 kids. Do you know that? I mean, he's got like, and he, uh, he takes his daughter to the prom. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm now a Philip Rivers lover. Yeah, I, I've I've just I'm now kind of in the middle. I was I was used to be just like you on Philip Rivers, and now he's brought me to somewhere closer to the middle. I would say, that's all I would say. By the way, on this uh, on this NFL thing, and I don't know if any of these games mean anything. If you have any thoughts on any of these NFL games, I'll pick them against Jason Lock and Four in an upcoming segment on this episode. Um, and this is going back to Vegas. Might, I might not mean as much to you. There is a, there's an amazing thing going on in Vegas. Which is? And not in Vegas, but in wagering. Yeah, wagering in general. There is an amazing thing going on in the last 15 playoff games. So four this year and the last, I guess, 11 from mm-hmm. last year. So going back to last year, 15 playoff games. The underdog has covered 14. Oh. out of 15 games. Now, that's incredible. some people might not understand. Statistically, that's incredible. Okay, so I'm glad you got that. So it would be like tails. It would be like you rolling a, a, a flipping a coin yeah. and it coming up. What? How long would you have to sit here to go 14 out of 15 on heads or tails and call it? You have to say, okay, tails, I'm going to stay here until I, I, I can do 14 out of 15 tails and you're going to stand here. You, you'll miss your trip to London. No doubt. Which is my next topic. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. You're going to London. I am going to London. Have you been to London before? I have, a couple times. I've been there once as a kid. Did you enjoy it? Hated it. Why would you hate London? London's hated, a fantastic city. Hated London. But I guess as a kid, I was a maybe kid. it's not a fantastic and city to one be. one reason and one reason only. Hmm? I've told stories like this on the old radio show. As a kid, I was very fortunate, not so much as an adult. I mean, I'm fortunate as an adult, but I've not traveled a lot as an adult. Mm-hmm. I traveled a lot as a kid. My, my parents wanted us to see, and we were in a position to see the world. Mm-hmm. So as, as three young boys, me and my two brothers, we went every summer somewhere, not necessarily out of the country, but we went yeah. as a family. Yeah. We went, we went we on traveled. family vacations a lot. Yeah. And one year, I just remembered I was a kid. I don't know how old I was, but very young. We went to London. And what I remember about London, we were there for probably five, six days. And what I remember about London is one thing. My dad saying to me as a kid, Mitchie, no, he didn't call me Mitchie. Mitchell, we're going to see the changing of the guards. Oh yes, Buckingham Palace. Or and I was like, and and I was like, until the day he died, I was like, what my father says when he says something's cool, it's gonna be cool, golden. And it was that was probably true ninety two and a half percent of okay. the time. Well, this fell squarely in the seven and a half percent. Okay. Because I just remember him taking me to this palace. I didn't know anything about yep. it. We were way far away. And there's there was a usually bunch of, a ton it's of raining. people. It's summer and it's gray oh, and yeah. it's raining. And there's a lot of people that need to see a dentist. And and we're and we're and we're out there. And he's like Mitch Mitchell. Let's now Sander Jay. Yeah. We're gonna watch this now. And you're just standing there waiting for Hours. something. You're thinking somebody's going to come flying out of the building. Like a plane. Somebody's yes. going to come parachuting yeah. down. The Nothing. changing of the guards. Yeah. I stood there for It is it the must, ceremonial it, of the most ceremonial transitions. Oh, my God. And then it happened. <laughs> and it was over. And he was like, all right, guys. Let's, let's go. go. It wasn't that something. 
And we stood there. We were so, all three of us, we were just like so bored and so get us <laughs> out of here. Get And that's yeah, all I, I remember I about that. the London trip, the changing of the guards. I could see that. I, I could definitely see so, as a young person that being not very exciting. So there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't even try to yell at the guards to try to make them I flinch probably or did. move. I or, probably did. All right. I probably did. Yeah. Uh, we've got some more things to mm-hmm. cover. By the way, in episode 12, what movie did I tell you I loved the performance by the lead actor, even though I'm not a member of the foreign press? What did I tell you? It was Vice. Yes. It was Christian Bale and Vice. Yes. And what did he, what did he, then, what did he then do? Won the Golden Globe for Best Actor. Thank oh. you very much. You did? Thank you very you much. Okay. I, I guess I know my movies. Well, right? you saw three in six days. I mean, I guess, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> All right. Jason Locke and Fora today. Warren Sharp, who you probably don't know, but he's kind of an analytics, sabermetrics of NFL, consultant to a couple of NFL teams. He's going to tell you why it was a disgrace on mm. Saturday night what the Seahawks coaching staff did to that team on Saturday night, okay? Mm-hmm. And, oh, Jeff Goodman. How many games do the Huskies have to win? How bad is the reputation of the Pac-12? Is there anything they can do? How good is Duke? How good is Tennessee? How good is Virginia? Who's the best team in the country? What's going to happen with the RPI? All that. How many Pac-12 teams are going to get in? All those questions are going to be answered on this particular podcast. And people should be paying attention because at some point in the future, when you and I do a little appearance talking about said teams, they're going to want to know what people have been saying about these teams as the year goes on. And speaking of which, don't you owe me an answer on Super Bowl Sunday? Not yet. <laughs> okay, where do I wave to everybody on Periscope? On the Periscope. That's really funny. Where do, where do I? Hi, guys. I, you know what? I'm waving. Just because you, you said see that, me? I'm going to put Can anybody you, see me? Okay, mark my words. I'm going to put you on live. You, you, you're like, anybody, you're hello. Like, you know who you Hi, are? Mom. Do you know who you are right now? What? Do you remember this movie? The original Willy Wonka? You're like Mike TV. Do you remember Mike TV? No. Okay, never mind. But I remember the the movie. Yeah, Remind Gene me. Wilder. Yeah, yeah, yeah of there course. Was guy, Mike TV, the guy who got... <laughs> Miniaturized and stuck in the TV. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Hey, oh yes. Look yes. At me. Yes. Like, yes. That's what you look like. Okay. Well, I'm. Where's yeah. the Periscope? Yeah. Where All is right. it? I'm going to put you live, and then you're going to be like, "Are we really live?" 2019 is underway, and what a year it's going to be at Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Al and Dimitri have tons of opportunities for you in virtually every price range. Let's start with a fabulous selection of certified pre-owned vehicles to a new electric Jaguar, which is now in stock to the family. Land Rover Discovery model with the third row seating. The new Discovery is the best value family SUV, period. And if you're really adventurous, the upcoming return of the iconic Land Rover Defender is the talk of the motor world, the motor vehicle world. Get on the VIP order list at Land Rover of Bellevue. As I've said for years, just can't beat Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Many dealerships try but to no avail. The best sales team, a dealership environment that you'll notice a difference, a service department which is second to none whether you got your car there or not. Just off of 520 on Northeast 20th Street in Bellevue, Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Unfiltered.
Well, Jason Locke and Four and I have a little pick'em challenge. We each did pretty well, three and one. I though I know that we both expected Jason, our beloved Seahawks, to be playing this yeah. weekend. They'd be playing we did. in Los Angeles against the Rams. What a bummer. What a bummer. Yeah, I mean it just um weird game for me. You know, we, we even before the matchup was official, you know how I felt about their ability to beat either the Bears or the uh, or the Cowboys on the road. I preferred the Bears because of that quarterback, and I think you saw why. Um, but I thought they could uh, they could get the you know the better of a good Cowboys defense if they did certain things. They just didn't really seem to want to do them. You know, <laughs> like this is the time of year I think where you open up the entire playbook, right? And you are willing to do whatever it takes. And they haven't done a lot of the pistol read option stuff with Schottenheimer, but you know it's there. And the best athlete on the field was still the Seahawks quarterback. And, you know, they, they don't run him outside the pocket as much as they used to or boot him out or waggle him, but he can. And they just didn't seem to want to go there. You know, it's like this is how we've done it for 10 weeks, and it's worked. And it does. And it, and it is tried and true. And it ran over the Cardinals and ran over, uh, you know, Carolina. And they, they ran over plenty of people, but they weren't going to run over that front seven on that day. Try as you might. And did you just keep going, run, run, pass? I just was uh, – I found it quite uninspiring, yeah. especially when you have a quarterback of that magnitude at your disposal. You tweeted that this was the reason that they weren't competing anybody for their offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, in the middle of the offseason, right? Yeah. I mean, I thought that decision was made really quickly, and there were some other guys who were still getting disentangled and getting let go from other things. And, it, you know, I know that Pete sometimes just clicks with a guy, you know what I mean? And he meets and he gets that innate gut feeling, and it's like, you're my guy. And uh, that's what he did. And, uh, again, I, I, things worked out overall offensively better than I thought they would. But, you know, when you, when you're in a situation like this, and you need to reinvent yourself and just continuing to ram your head into a brick wall. It's not going to work on this particular day. I, I, I think you have to get more creative. Yeah. You have to dip back into some of the things that worked for that offense before you got there and try to find a different way to attack them. Get them out of their base. They're killing you on first down. Their base is killing your base. You need to change your base and try to force them out of their base, and then maybe you can get back into some of that other stuff. But they just didn't really seem to want to go there. And they're under attack for it for obvious reasons. Uh, Pete Carroll called the criticism of Schottenheimer uh, garbage on a radio show uh, this week. And I think for a lot of us, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I think I'm speaking for a lot of Seahawk fans just judging from social media. It's just a real bummer of a feeling that you go to the off season and you don't feel like, as a Seahawks fan, that they gave number three a chance. I mean, they're going to they're getting ready to pay him how much money, Jason? Thirty thirty million dollars a year, thirty five oh, million dollars. Way north of that. All right, thir- they're getting they're get- thirty. Okay, you know what I mean? so like okay, so they're getting they're getting ready. To, Aaron Rodgers' money. They're getting ready to pay a guy thirty five million dollars a year, and yet. You don't, and that guy was having a great night on play action when they when he did throw. They they were accomplishing a lot in the past game, and you just yeah. feel like okay, now the season's over, and we're talking about the Rams against the Cowboys, and yet our guy that they're going to pay thirty five million a year didn't have a chance really to win the football game for him. That's how it feels. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. They didn't. I felt like they kept him corked rather than uncork him, and why not uncork him in the playoffs? Right. 
Right. Very busy couple of days. I'm glad we have you. You've been great on Twitter, by the way. Follow Jason Locken for CBS NFL Insider uh, for the, the latest and greatest in coaching hires. So let's see. Let's see if I've got this straight. Uh, I don't know that I have this straight. The Browns promoted their offensive coordinator. The Broncos yeah. hired the Bears' defensive coordinator. The Bucks yeah. pulled Bruce Arians out of the broadcast booth, and they made a trade with Arizona to do it. And the Packers, here's the, here's, yeah. here's the curious one for me. You can start on, on any one that makes, makes sense. The Packers hired the Titans' offensive coordinator, whose team was like yep. 27th in scoring this year, and he's kind of a run-heavy guy, and they're pairing him up with Aaron Rodgers. I'm... I'm Totally confused. I don't know what. I mean, even this. I don't know. I don't know what he is because this is the first year he's ever called plays. I mean, I. It's look that one in Kingsbury. Oh, Kingsbury. We forgot about Kingsbury. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Don't bury the lead. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look. Nobody knows. Nobody knows, and those might turn out to be absolutely ingenious and inspired and whatever, but. I uh, I think the way they went about it, and it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you set out, like, if you tell yourself, I'm going to go to this bar and I might be attracted to a bunch of people, but I'm only going to talk to blondes, then you probably will only talk to blondes and you probably won't really explore redheads or brunettes or whatever else is out there. Like, you might be kind of sort of mingling, but if you're setting out with a certain fetish, you're probably going to find yourself um, indulging in that fetish. And that's what, I mean, clearly that's what a lot of these searches were. I mean, at the end of the day, um, maybe there's two defensive guys from the defensive side of the ball who get hired. No one with a special teams background will get looked at whatsoever. Um, and I mean, just because you once hung out and brought it up with Sean McVay does not mean you should be running an NFL football team, but that's the, like, that's what it is. I mean, that's what they're into. And they're convinced themselves that, you know, McVeigh's and Shannon, Kyle Shanahan's and Nagy's grow on trees, and we just have to go go to that tree and pluck one. You know, pluck some fruit of our own. Well, well, I mean, maybe it might it might work, but Matt Lafleur was in the Falcons building, and he was the quarterback coach for Matt Ryan's MVP year, and Kyle Shanahan left after the Super Bowl, and Kyle brought a couple guys with him, didn't bring Matt Lafleur, and Matt Lafleur went to Dan Quinn and said, can I please, 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 please stay as your quarterback coach? And he said no. Uh. And then Sean McVay brought him in and gave him a nominal OC title, but not what, – what does an OC title usually connote to you? Play calling. He didn't get that. <laughs> and then he left for a lateral move the next year, and the Rams were like, we love him, but nobody was fighting to keep him. They let him go for a lateral move so he could call plays, and he did that for a year, and – I am not a Mike Malarkey guy. In fact, his offensive made, you know, make me want to hurl, but he had a more productive, effective offense the year before than Matt LaFleur did. And he made it to the playoffs, and the Titans didn't. And Mariota ended that season looking like pretty promising, went into Arrowhead, led that comeback. He looks kind of sort of like damaged goods now. And this is the first guy hired, and he's hired by the Green Bay Packers. America's iconic franchise. Hmm. And he's hired within hours after the interview. Like, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, maybe he had the greatest interview in the history of the world, or maybe Mark Murphy, when he couldn't get past Fitzgerald out of Northwestern, just said, I'm going to go get somebody young, cheap, and malleable. 
and he's going to do what we say. And if we're going to pay the quarterback $36 million bucks, then we don't need to pay the coach ten. So, yeah, this guy, resume looks okay. Um, yeah, he's an offensive guy, and, you know, he's probably not going to give Aaron too much trouble. Let's just see how this goes. Mm. Who's the best kid? I mean, like, yeah. you, you interviewed Jim Caldwell. If you're, if, you're, if you're going to tell me that Matt LaFleur could put together a better staff than Jim Caldwell and could hit the ground running with that team better than Jim Caldwell, where Jim Caldwell in that very division won 11 games, what, four years ago with Detroit, won nine, had three winning seasons in four years in that division, beat Aaron Rodgers, right? And you interview him first. You interview LaFleur last. LaFleur's the guy. Okay, maybe he's McVay. But McVay didn't think he was McVay. And go talk to people with the Rams. They'll tell you Zach Taylor, the quarterback coach there this year, does more than LaFleur did the year before when LaFleur was the OC. But you hired LaFleur, and I don't think they even talked to Zach Taylor. So I don't know, man. Who's the best candidate sitting on the streets, and who's going to hire him? I mean, I don't know that there's one best guy. I, I, you know, I, I think there's intriguing candidates for different jobs, and, and people fit up some teams more than, than others. I mean, as we're speaking – Right now, what there's only th- what three openings left: the Bengals, the Jets, and the Dolphins. If I'm the Dolphins, I'm trading for John Harbaugh. Bengals, hold on, hold on, um, hold on, hold on. We can't go f- past that too quickly. What do they have to trade to get John Harbaugh? And does Joe whatever, does Joe Flacco come in the deal? If you want him, he's available. <laughs> if you want him, I don't know if that's going to be their cup of tea or not. But uh, I, I would I would try to get John Harbaugh in that building. Um, they once traded for Don Shula from Baltimore, right? That's, yeah, they did. that's correct. That's correct. So it wouldn't be without uh, any precedent. Joe Robbie. Joe what, the, Robbie's the, not the around Jets? any longer, by the way. Joe Robbie's not going to be in that building no, anymore. He's not going to be facilitating that. Um, yeah, neither is like Weeb Eubank or yeah anybody else. <laughs> been. The Jets, of the people they interviewed, who would I hire? I would hire Matt Rule from Baylor, and I would try to pair him with Todd Munkin, who they just interviewed. Tuesday for their head coaching job as the offensive coordinator, and maybe Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator, and now you've got a college guy but two super-established coordinators. Um, if I'm the Bengals of the guys they've talked to, I would be inclined to hire Zach Taylor and take a shot on him. Um, if people are hiring Kingsbury and, and LaFleur and everything else, um, I, I might take a shot in that regard. Or I would hire Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs who played there and who understands the culture there and who knows, you know, that you're not going to get all the creature comforts when you work for Mike Brown and who comes from, you know, really good coaching lineage and I think has a lot of Anthony Lynn in him. And, you know, whatever they want to do, offensive, defensive coordinator, we'll see. But that's what I, that's what I would do. Okay, we got to get to the picks. We were both 3-1, and one, not bad, against the spread last week. So there's no leader in the clubhouse for our big wager. You got the Seahawks at a stake. Uh, sorry, the Mariners and a stake coming to you if you – Beat me, and I got the Orioles and and some Maryland crab coming to me. Okay, we're both three and one. We'll go through these things uh, unless you need a recap. Do you need a, a recap on how we were three and one, or do you trust me on that? No, okay. no, we're right. we're good. Roll. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, Colts, Chiefs, Chiefs are. I like the Colts. You do straight up. I think they win that game. All right, I'm taking so, the I'm taking that's the Chiefs. That's my lock of the week. All right, you got okay. the you got the Colts plus You're five and a half. You're giving me what five and a half or five six there? You got five and a half, and I get the Chiefs minus five and a half. You got the Colts straight okay. up to beat the Chiefs. That would be just okay. a, an all time Andy Reid boy. What will we be writing and talking about Andy Reid if he Ooh. loses that game at home to the Colts? I hope he wins because I'm rooting for Andy, but I don't know. Okay, 
So we differ on that one. The other Saturday game, Cowboys, Rams, Rams laying seven. I think uh, I think I'm going to take the Rams. I think that they won't do what the Seahawks did and ignore the pass. I know that Gurley will be the the focal point. I think that uh, Goff will have a big day. The Rams will win by more than a touchdown. I'll take the Rams minus the points against the Cowboys. I'll take the points. I think oh. the Rams win, but I think Dallas's defense will give them some trouble. Okay, uh, you go first. Patriots and Chargers. Uh, they're going to play the early game. They're making the Chargers go across the country and play the early game yeah. a- again. Um, the Patriots are a smallish four-point favorite over a Chargers team Four. that comes in after their their un- you didn't expect them to beat the Ravens last week, obviously. Uh, I, I'm not surprised. I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, that was a toss-up to me. I, I went with the Ravens, but I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think the Chargers – I picked the Chargers to go to the AFC Championship game in the summer. They're a good team. I worry about the snow here. I worry about the two weeks travel. I worry about uh, the wind and the cold. If this was the same temperatures that they played at at kickoff last week against Baltimore, I would, I would take the Chargers to win outright. But I'm going to take New England here. Things, freaky things happen in Foxborough, and I think the weather will be a factor. See, I don't even know the weather forecast. You're now convincing me because I was all set to take the Chargers and tell you I'm taking them straight up to beat the Patriots. Now you're freaking me out about snow and wind and whatever it is. So I'm going to stay with my initial instinct. I'm going to assume that you're not a very good weatherman. You're a really good football guy, but not a good weatherman. And I'll take, uh, I'll take the Chargers to win the game straight up, although I get four points. And then, okay. the, and then the Eagles and the Saints. The Eagles are an eight-point underdog. I remember watching this game the first time around in the middle of the year, and it was a destruction in favor of the Saints. Uh a lot of people think it'll be different this time around. I go first. I don't like that number. I think that number is really high, even though the Saints beat them by so many the first time around. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Saints to win, but the Eagles to cover the eight-point spread. What do you think? I'm with you there. Um, we're in agreement on that one. I think the Eagles make this a game. Nick Foles makes it a game, but but uh, Drew Brees ends that magical ride of Nick Foles. Okay, so we disagree on the Colts Chiefs. We disagree on the Rams Cowboys. You're taking the Cowboys plus the points, right? And yeah. you are taking the we disagree on the Patriots Chargers game 2. You've got the weather and the Patriots on yeah, We disagree on, on 3. On 3 so, out of the 4. Yeah. All right. So there'll be a leader. Let the best man win. Yeah. You've got CBS HQ waiting for you, so you got to go. Thanks very I gotta, much. I got to roll, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. Enjoy <laughs> Thank you. enjoy the weekend, okay? All right, buddy. All right. Thanks. Talk to you Bye-bye. soon. There he is, Jason Lock and Fora, making friends with all the Packer fans. Hear ye, hear ye. Zeke's Pizza is ready to open its 16th location on Monday. It'll be in the Capitol Hill District, and I'm planning to watch the Super Bowl there, hoping that some of our Mitch Unfiltered listeners, some of you guys, will stop by, allow me to say hello, and thank you for giving me this opportunity. Pizza, craft beer, and football. Zeke's is the Northwest's homegrown pizza company. If you don't want to join me, then have them deliver on Super Bowl Sunday. Download and use their mobile app. Order online, zekespizza.com, or call 206-285-8646. Any combination of food and craft beer right to your door, just as long as it's a minimum of $15. Mix and match. Order six different beers, whatever you want. All the drivers have shoulder coolers, so believe me, the beers show up nice and cold. Remember, the one who orders needs to be 21 and receive it at the door, 206-285-8646 or zekespizza.com. Download and use the mobile app, Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered.
next guest, simply put, is one of the best college hoops writers you're going to find in the nation. He was with ESPN for a long time. He's now with WatchStadium.com. Jeff Goodman, our guest on Mitch Unfiltered. Jeff, I don't think a lot of our audience knows what Watch Stadium is, and you guys have a nice product. Tell us what WatchStadium.com is. So it's it's kind of a smaller version of ESPN. It's a, it's a multi-platform sports network, and we do live stuff. We have studio shows. Uh, events. So I do a little bit of everything there and kind of run college basketball. And, uh, you know, we'll do game here and there. We'll do uh, studio. We'll do sit downs like we just put out today. I did an all access with Chris Mack and Louisville leading up right the 24 hours before Louisville played Kentucky. And uh, nobody's ever really seen, you know, Patino had never done that uh-huh. in his time at Louisville, not even before the Kentucky game, but never for a game. So it was interesting to see Chris Mack, his first Louisville-UK matchup and kind of how he was with it. And, uh, you know, had dinner with he and his family the night before, did shoot-around, uh, pregame meal, all that stuff. Uh, that, you know, rode over with him in his car to the arena uh, for the game. So it was kind of cool. So those are the things that I can do now that maybe I wasn't able to, to do quite as easily at ESPN. That's good stuff. Uh, Jeff Goodman is the name, and you should follow him on Twitter, follow him wherever he is, because if you like college basketball, you need to listen up and pay close attention. We're out in Pac-12 land. It has been a tough... I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, yeah, I was going to say I'm sorry. Yeah, Jeff, and it doesn't it doesn't stay with basketball. It starts with football, and it's just a mess yeah. with, uh, with the college football and college basketball scene here in the Pac-12. Uh, you, you and I have talked about this before. You kind of make your reputation. It's too bad. You make your reputation in the non-conference part of your schedule, and then there's very little that you can do in your conference to change your reputation because it's like everybody's beating everybody else. Is that the problem that faces the Pac-12 come March when that, that infamous committee decides who's going and who's not going? Absolutely. Absolutely. That That's the biggest problem for the Pac-12 right now is – Again, you build your resume in November and December, and they were just putrid in November and December. And some leagues are bad early, and they're young, and you you know, like, they're going to get better. Some teams, right? Yeah. And, and maybe several teams within a league. You know, like, you could have said that about, like, the SEC this year. LSU's young. They bring in a lot. You know, Kentucky's always young. With the Pac-12, that's not necessarily the case. They're just not very good this year. And, you know, a big part of it is obviously – Arizona and UCLA have to be good for the Pac-12 to be really good. I mean, they just do. I'm an Arizona guy. Uh, I've been hard on the program. But those two programs have to kind of carry the league. And when Arizona State is the best program in your league, or Washington, or there is none really right now, um, it, it makes it difficult because now there's no resume wins in your league. No matter who you beat, it's not a great win. Right. It's not a great win. Like, you know, Washington could run the table and beat everybody. Right now, and everybody be like, "Well, who who they're beating? I mean, they're beating a bunch of non-tournament teams." Right, right. And so there's not a lot of what they call quadrant one victories out there. Ari- right. We thought Arizona State after they beat Kansas for a second consecutive year, but then they tripped up. Yeah. And then Oregon. I thought that the the couple of games with Oregon that Washington had before Bowl got injured might be somewhat quality opportunities, but now Bowl's out and, and Oregon's no good. So is this really and truly a one-bid conference, or do you think come come March they'll figure out a way maybe to get two teams in from the Pac-12? So as of today, I actually went through it today with the six kind of metrics that the NCAA is going to use, right. okay, yeah, and looked at, average, averaged them all out. I averaged everything out. 
and uh, and went through and picked the 36 at larges. And right now, as of right now, Arizona would be in um, right on the fringe, like right as a you know, 12 seed, maybe one of those playing games. And then Arizona State and Washington are like in the next four. Arizona at State's not now, in, not in today, huh? Arizona State. The, the number, yeah, the numbers hate Arizona State. Uh, you know, they really do. I, I actually had Bobby Hurley and his brother Danny on, on my podcast, uh, the Good and Plenty podcast. I had him on a few weeks ago, and, and Bobby did kind of go off on that a little bit. He's like, I don't know. I said, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, you know, what these computers. He said, I don't know who's punching in the numbers, <laughs> you know. So it was, it was kind of funny. Bob, Bobby's, you know, Bobby's not one to mince words, and uh, he is entertaining. And the bottom line is, again, you, you right now you probably got one in. Uh, but if that one ends up winning the Pac-12 tournament, then I think you're looking at a one-bid league. I think they'll end up being two at the end of the day. That yeah. would be my guess. Yeah. What is Washington? And I know that it all depends on the other conferences, yeah. and I was going to actually ask you, I call it the underbelly of the at-large teams. Is it too early, Jeff? Jeff Goodman, our guest. Is it too early for me to ask you whether that underbelly, that bubble, is going to be stronger relative to other years or weaker or the same? Is it too early to ask that question? Yeah, I, I think it might be too early, but I, I think we say it every year. At least I say it every year. Like, let's go back to 64. Like, what's what's the need for 68? Nobody nobody gives a you-know-what about the first four for the most part anyway. You know, it's played on Tuesday and Wednesday when a lot of people don't care. It's not in the brackets, really. It doesn't matter right. to the casual fan. So I, I would go back to 64. I don't, I don't think it's strong enough right now. Okay. Now, every coach in America would disagree with me because they all want it on their resume. You know, they want, they want 128 teams in the NCAA tournament if they had their, their druthers. But uh, right now, I, yeah, I just – I think the bubble is going to be about the same as it's been lately, and, and, and that's kind of uh, uninspiring. So why don't you fill in the blank? If Mike Hopkins' team doesn't go blank in the conference in their 18 games, they're going to be very worried come Selection Sunday. If they don't win the tournament in the automatic bid, obviously. I mean, I think you got to finish first or second in the league. Number one, uh, I, I think you probably need to go. Somebody probably needs to go like fourteen and four, something like that. Which it's going to be hard in this league, just because again, it's bad. But there's no dominant team, no matter who it is. It's not like Washington or Arizona or Arizona State are that dominant. We've already seen it. You know, we've already seen that they're all capable of losing games that they shouldn't really lose, especially Arizona State lately. I mean, Arizona State's been, a, you know, a, a, an abomination over the last couple of weeks. You know, Washington's the one team that you could say, okay, their losses are legitimate, right? right? I mean, right. Gonzaga, obviously legitimate. Auburn, completely legit. Virginia Tech, even without Chris Clark, still legit. The one that you probably say, okay, they should have beaten Minnesota. And they had a chance, right? they yeah, had, they, and they had a chance yeah. to win that game at the end, yeah. Right. That's going to be the one where we may look at. But I still think Minnesota, like as of today, they're a tournament team. So all four of your losses are, are tournament teams at this point. The problem is, who the heck have you beaten? Nobody. I mean, and, you haven't really gotten it. You don't not, have a, you know, best wins are Western yeah. Kentucky and San Diego. And you're not going to beat anybody the rest of the year. No, that's why you have to go, yeah. to me, like 14 and 4, like yeah. worse. Jeff Goodman, our guest, give me a sense of uh, this net NET, I don't even know what they call it, that's supposed to be yeah. replacing the RPI. You said you went through the metrics earlier today with the at-large teams. I love that. Uh, Jeff Goodman, by the way, as good as there is in college basketball, 
what do you make of the net? Is it another desperate attempt for the uh, for the NCAA to try to rationalize how they do things and uh, how they're going to use it in that room those couple of two, three days? Yeah, I think they're trying to improve, and they realize the RPI stinks. So they, they wanted to try to improve on it, and they you know did it with you know, some, some certain things in there, winning percentage and wins and where the games are played and scoring margin capped in at 10 points. But part of it was, was also done by like net efficiency. So offensive efficiency minus defensive efficiency. Um, you know, so I, I, I like part of it. We just don't know the exact, they haven't given anybody the exact formula and, and to give it to me wouldn't matter because I'm not going to figure that, that out at all. But to the, the numbers people, the true numbers people will actually be able to figure uh, out whether it's good or not. But, uh, but I, listen, I like it better than the RPI. I, I do. And how, how much of these guys going to use it in the room? We don't know. And that's the one thing I'll always say is like, you know, 10 people, they're all different. One might love the RPI in the past. One might hate it. One might love, the KPI, now there's like six that are in there now. Ken Palm, KPI, which is Kevin Powergate's deal. you got ESPNs with the BPI. you got Jeff Sagarin. So you got like six different things. We don't know what each guy looks at. Or maybe, here, here's my take, they go out and they see a lot of games. They watch a lot of games on TV. Do they go by what they saw, which is what I think a lot of them do when they see a team numerous times. And it's like me years ago. I remember like four or five years ago, I saw Kansas play twice. They lost both games. They were terrible. Um, and I couldn't get out of my head that I saw Kansas in person twice. They lost both games. They weren't good. And everybody loved them. And I'm saying to myself, I get it. But like I saw them with my own eyes and they stunk the two games I saw. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not buying into the fact that they're, they're a one seed. But it, it depends. I guess what I'm saying is, Human nature gets involved, and and if it does, it, it it based a lot of these guys will base it on and, and women will base it on what they've seen with their own eyes. Can I fire a couple teams at you before you go? Yeah. Okay. Well, you just yeah, of course you kind of beat me to the punch. You you spoke about Kansas. Uh, they lost the big man inside. Uh, what will they be without him? And can they win? I don't know four neutral floor games in the NCAA tournament to get to the final four, Jeff, Kansas. They can win four. Uh, the problem I have is they don't shoot it well from the perimeter either. So they lost their big guy, Doak. Uh, now it's more on Deidre Lawson, Quentin Grimes, and, and uh, Devin Dotson. Uh, neither one are great shooters, freshman guards. But if they play fast, they change how they play a little bit. They're still Kansas. They're still, to me, the favorite to win the Big 12. How about Tennessee? It's a team that we don't talk about year after year after year. And yet, I've seen them a couple of times, saw them in the Gonzaga game. Seems to me as uh, one of the best four or five teams in the country so far. Yeah, I was there for that Tennessee-Gonzaga game. Gonzaga kind of had it. Uh, I love their their forward, you know, their kind of forward duo of Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. I'm a little bit concerned with their guard play. And that's where I get worried that they can run off four or six straight. Uh, but Rick Barnes has done an unbelievable job with Tennessee. And I, I think they're right there as one of the top three teams in the SEC, along with Auburn and, and Kentucky. If this thing were a best of five series instead of the one and done, I have a hard time believing if Duke's freshmen continue to improve that come March, anybody would beat them in a series. But it's not a series. That's why we love the NCAA tournament so much. How good is this Duke team, Jeff? They're good. I'm writing a column for tomorrow. I'm going to give you some numbers. That okay. are going to be my column tomorrow. Okay. Ready? You ready for this? Yep. 
We're going to take away the first two games of the season shooting the ball from the perimeter, uh, with the one where they beat Kentucky by like 125 points. And when they shot 27 of 62 from three, over the last 12 games, they're shooting under 30% from three. R.J. Barrett, three of 21 from, from deep over the last four games, shooting less than 30% from three over the last 12 games. Cam Reddish, thought to be their best shooter, also shooting a little bit under 30% from three in the last 12 games. Trey Jones made just five threes over the last 12 games. And Zion Williamson, prior to last night when he was three for four from, from three against Wake, was four for 21 overall from beyond the arc. So you can understand my hesitation, my questions with Duke winning six straight games in the NCAA tournament. Does somebody force him to make shots from the perimeter? Um, do they keep them off the offensive glass? And if they do that, I think Duke goes out. Just every day, Joe's reaction to your numbers? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, they've, they've shot poorly from three-point land for the last how many games you just said, and yet nobody can give them a game. They, they keep haven't, winning. They haven't. They haven't. They keep winning. Yeah, they yeah. keep win, beating, and they, and they haven't beaten anybody. I mean, they beat, I guess, uh, they beat Texas Tech. Or you know they beat Clemson the other night, but they're 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 blowing people out shooting thirty percent. So what happens if they shoot, let's say thirty four percent or thirty thirty six percent, and somebody gets hot amongst those guys that you just mentioned? That that would be one man's reaction. Yeah, listen, I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent. They did lose a game to Gonzaga without Killian Tilly, a first round pick potentially, and some of the other teams they've beaten. Uh, aren't exactly the, uh, you know, they're kind of the sisters of the poor a little bit too, right? I mean, you've got, Yale, you know, Bethlehem and Hartford and Yale and Princeton and, you know, Clemson at home and Wake on the road. Wake's arguably one of the bottom four teams in the ACC. You know, beat Indiana, good win. That was at home. So really, you know, and Texas Tech, give, give Chris Beard all the credit in the world. He's done an unbelievable job. But Texas Tech's got one pro, Jared Culver. So, I just feel like, again, you're, you're playing with fire. San Diego State, they beat. San Diego State's terrible. They beat them earlier in the year. So the one other team they beat is Auburn, really. Kentucky in the first game, and then they beat Auburn. Good win. Uh, they beat, again, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not capable of winning six straight. They are. I'm just saying I'm a little bit concerned because they do not shoot the ball well from the perimeter. And if they do that and settle, uh, and don't get on the offensive glass like they've been able to, and somebody zones them and is a good rebounding team, could they beat them on an off night? I think they could. Okay. I think Gonzaga proved that. Okay, last question. Who do you love? Uh, I like Virginia. Uh-huh. I like Virginia a lot. Uh, I think they've got some motivation after last year. And <laughs> oh, great, man. great guards. Yeah. Great guards. You know, Kyle Guy and Todd Jerome, and and they, they, they got DeAndre Hunter. So I, I would say Virginia is a team I really like. Great stuff. I've been a fan of yours for a long, long time. And I, I so appreciate you supporting the uh, the podcast and being willing to come on. I hope we can call upon you again oh, as no, we get closer to March. Keep up all the great work. The, Absolutely. The name of the podcast is Good and Plenty, right? And then, yep, the, and then that is correct. WatchStadium.com. And if you don't know who Jeff Goodman is, then you probably are not a huge college basketball fan. He's just a terrific writer and a terrific broadcaster and all kinds of knowledge. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Really, really appreciate it. And we'll do it again uh, as the uh, the season comes to uh, sort of a close there in, in, in a while. College basketball insider Jeff Goodman right there saying that the Huskies probably need 14 wins and a first or second place finish in the Pac-12 for their March Madness hopes. Very excited 
about the brand new Daniels Broiler at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle. Lindsay Schwartz and the Schwartz family have a fourth location, and it is beautiful. This new downtown Seattle Daniels is open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. If you live or work near downtown or are planning an evening downtown just visiting Seattle, you now have a world-class choice for prime steaks and seafood just down the block from the Paramount Theater on 8th and Howell. I can't tell you how many people have tweeted me pictures of anniversary dinners or other special occasions at Daniel's, adding that they wanted to support the people that supported my return. It's been very touching. Don't forget, Valentine's Day is on the way. You don't want to wait to the last minute, especially if you want to go to one of the Daniels. Pick up the phone and make your reservations today. Locally owned by the Schwartz family and now located at South Lake Union, Leshine Marina, Bellevue Place, and the new downtown Hyatt Regency, Daniels Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. I just love this next guest, Warren Sharp. Sharp football analysis. You should follow him on Twitter. He looks at the game in a statistical way, which is near and dear to my heart. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Warren. Thanks for having me, Mitch. You've been uh, uh, very outspoken about the Seattle Seahawks and their loss to the Cowboys. But before we get there, I just love what you do because I'm a numbers geek. Tell our audience a little bit about what you do, where we can find you, and kind of your your outlook on football, please. Well, I love efficient football. I love watching efficient football. I think that's the root of everything that I look at. Um, I started a website, chartfootballstats.com, which basically is a free-to-use access point to obtain play-by-play data in an analytical manner that really sorts and filters everything in a visualized perspective so that you can easily kind of get a sense for everything. You can filter things and, and get a better understanding of statistics in a more kind of toned down easier for the public to kind of digest and process it perspective. And that's kind of what I do from my Twitter at sharp football is, is try to basically take statistics with regard to football and break it down in an easy to understand manner so that people can have an appreciation for that, understand that perspective, because um, I think it's far more important to be able to understand football from that context of efficiency and decision-making and right or wrong versus just gut feel or what the announcers on TV are going to tell you. Um, And I've been doing this for a number of years. Obviously, uh, I have another website, chartfootballanalysis.com, and I also, uh, within the last couple of seasons, started working uh, in conjunction with uh, some NFL teams. So uh, I guess some of the stuff that I've been doing is getting a little bit uh, more and more used by NFL teams, which I think is a, is a good thing. It's it's fun for me to see, but also is improving the on-field product, and that's the most important thing for me. Is And that's why I sometimes complain about teams, what they're doing, some of their decision-making, because I just want to see efficient football out on the field. I want to see optimal decision-making uh, as much as possible. Are football teams using analytics and data? You say that you now have a relationship with football teams though you don't want to speak about which particular ones, are football teams using data, NFL teams using data the way baseball is using sabermetrics? Uh, they're getting towards that. I mean, they, we just found out about, like every single season, more and more data is accessible to teams. And now NFL teams just, 
got access to uh, player tracking information for their team and all the other 31 teams in the league. So that's slowly, and I do emphasize the word slowly, getting incorporated depending on which team that you talk to. But definitely um, more and more teams are incorporating analytics into their decision-making. What I found, though, and it's a little bit frustrating if you're a fan of a team who's kind of not on the the high end of the spectrum, is that the teams that are at the bottom, the teams that really could make the most usage out of this, you know, it could help their team because their team doesn't have the best players, maybe doesn't have the best decision makers. So they could really get a lot of benefit moving, you know, stepping up the ladder really like two steps, three steps at a time because of making better decisions. They're the ones who are least likely to incorporate this information. The team, a lot of the teams that are more so reaching out are the teams that are in really good positions, you know, have very good rosters, are looking for the extra edge because they know how competitive it is at the top, how difficult it is to win the Super Bowl. And those are the teams that are really turning over every stone looking for edges. The teams at the bottom should be doing that, but those guys are more concerned about staying afloat, maintaining their jobs. You know, they're not looking at it with the longer-term perspective. Um, they're just looking at it uh, very nearsighted, in my opinion, and I think that they need to change their mindset. And if a lot of those teams at the lower end do, I think we're going to get a lot more competitive nature uh, from top to bottom. But right now, I think, I fear that as the seasons progress, the more these analytics get incorporated – that the teams that are using them, which tend to be the better teams, are going to pull a little bit further away. Sharp football analysis, Warren Sharp, who's got teams that are still in the playoffs, so he doesn't have a lot of time with us. Let's get to the matter at hand. Pete Carroll called the criticism of shoddy garbage on the Brock and Salk show uh, on ESPN 710. Uh, I know you disagree with that. Uh, You said, Seahawks fans, we're going to have a long talk about Brian Schottenheimer. Seattle doesn't have Blake Bortles or Case Keenum at quarterback. This is Russell Wilson. Pick up the story from there. It's just inconceivable to me when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson who, you know, look, NFL is about team building, roster building. I'm going to take it a step back before we move forward. It's about roster building and roster construction. The Seahawks were able to win a Super Bowl Back when they had Russell Wilson on his rookie deal, he was hardly out, uh, taking up any of the salary caps, so they could allocate that to a lot of other players. That's one of the ways that teams are winning in the NFL. When you all of a sudden have to pay a quarterback from his rookie deal, now you're paying him a substantial percentage of your salary cap compared to what you were doing previously. You then have different roster construction. You have to build your roster a little bit differently because you're now allocating so much money to that position. Passing is more efficient than running the football. Passing is more effective in terms of winning football games. I understand the philosophy of the Seattle Seahawks. I understand what they are and what they are trying to be from a coaching perspective and from a player perspective. They think that they want to run the football to win games, and I I get that and I respect that. However, when you have a quarterback as talented as Russell Wilson who's being paid as much as Russell Wilson, it's imperative that when the situation dictates you take advantage of that position so i understand that they started out the game running the football a fair amount i know that they also did it poorly they were not having a lot of success that is to be expected the dallas cowboys are number five versus the run they're number 16 versus the pass they're better against the run 
we know that you're going to run the football anyways because that's quote-unquote what you are. They're not really game-planning against their opponent. They're just doing what we do, and we think we're going to have enough success winning this game. Uh, but Dallas's pass defense was trending poorly to close the season. They're significantly worse than the run defense. And at halftime, when you look and you see that you're averaging two yards per carry in the first half on runs, you're averaging almost 15 yards per attempt when you're passing the football, you must become a passing offense if you're going to try to win this game. You can't wait until the game's out of reach to start passing the football, which is ultimately what they ended up doing, tried to mount this furious comeback, and then it's easy for the for Brock and Pete to say, oh, well, you know, there if we had a couple plays here or there, well, no, you may not have even been in a situation where you needed a couple plays if you actually let Russell Wilson throw the ball earlier in the game because that is the way to beat the Dallas Cowboys to begin with. I understand you started out the first half running the football, but when you see you're behind and the running game is not successful, you have to switch up to the pass. So it's more to me than just the play calling. You have to look at your quarterback. I understand if you have Lamar Jackson at quarterback and you're the Baltimore Ravens and he doesn't have a lot of experience and he's not even very good at throwing the football, then you're a little bit handcuffed. Like, what are we going to do here? Do we bring in Flacco or do we just keep going with this guy? Even so, when they ended up throwing the football more late in that game, they had more success. But the point being that you have Russell Wilson. You're paying him a lot. Your salary cap is now built so that it's allocating a lot to him and less to other positions. You can't just pretend like he is some sort of a game manager late in that game. You have to give him the tools to go out and win that game. In this case, the tools aren't the players. The tools are the play calls and the decisions from the coaching staff. So the run game, Warren, the formula of the run game helped the Seahawks turn a season that everyone thought was going to be lousy into a a 10-win season and a a berth into the playoffs. How about moving forward? Russell Wilson is now towards the end of his contract. He's got a year left. They're going to try to renegotiate that thing. He's going to be $30, $35 million a year when it's all said and done. Do you think even though the Seahawks had all the success with Chris Carson and the run game, that they need to look at a philosophical change during the offseason? Well, they're a, they're a difficult team to peg because they kind of cut against the grain a little bit from the run-first perspective in that mentality. Uh, I know from looking at the analytics that passing is more efficient than running the football. But you do at the same time have to build towards your strengths. And unless they can improve their pass protection on the line, I think it's, it's not a losing proposition to say, look, we're going to be more balanced than other teams. That's the way I would couch it. We're going to be more balanced than other teams. And and it's okay to know your strength is with the run game and try to build accordingly. However, Mm -hmm. you still need to bring in pieces and, and understand that the way that most teams in the league have success is via the air because it's the easier way to have success. It's not as difficult. It takes hard work to have an efficient run game in the NFL with all the rules that are supporting passing offenses, protecting the quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. The rules have changed from what they were five, 10 years ago. It is makes it even more efficient to throw the football. So you just have to understand that. And you also have to understand that we do have Russell Wilson and we're paying him a lot of money. So I don't know that they need to like, I don't want to say anything too negative about coaches slash coordinators there. But from a philosophical perspective, it's okay to say we want to stay more balanced than a lot of teams. But at the same time, you have to understand where the bread is buttered. And and that's going to be Russell Wilson 
being able to take things onto his shoulders and in certain games against certain opponents, let him throw the football more. You have to strategize against the specific opponent that you're facing on a weekly basis. I agree with that. I don't know that I necessarily am really, really upset that they started the game trying to run the ball because that's what they do best. And they thought, hey, we're going to do what we do better than they're going to do what they do. But I think the big and obvious feature of this is they didn't let the game speak to them, Warren. They didn't. They didn't let. They didn't watch what happens and make and make adjustments along the way, and then ultimately give a chance to one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the National Football League to win the game and take you into the second round. And you feel like you've now gone to the off season, and you could have given number three a bigger chance. I know you have to run. Warren Sharp is our guest here on Mitch Unfiltered. Uh, give me a thought on some of these divisional games through the analytics. Are any games more interesting to you than others? I know I saw on your on your Twitter that you're baffled by the start times for the Chargers, the West Coast team that have to play the earliest game again as they did uh, last week. Um, uh, any overall thoughts? Any games interest you more than others through the numbers, Warren? Well, I think the very first one of the weekend, uh, the, the, the Colts-Chiefs is going to be fascinating because – I love the quarterbacks in that game. You know, Andrew Luck, one of the big things that we uncovered that I uncovered from last season with the Colts is that they actually were leading entering the fourth quarter in 11 games. And they ended up losing the majority of them. But they had a really good team last season. And speaking with, you know, people in that, in that, um, in that building, they understood it. They felt the same pain. Obviously, they got rid of their coaching staff there. Uh, but I expected a big jump from last season to this season, and they are, in fact, having that, having that big jump. Um, I think it's been quite impressive. I think the, the roster that Chris Ballard has built has been great. And, of course, you know, you've got Andy Reid, who hasn't had a lot of success in the postseason with Alex Smith down in Kansas City, but now he's got a chance with Patrick Mahomes. They have the first-round bye. This is a big opportunity for them. They can't afford to, uh, you know, look past, but – this is a this is a very difficult and dangerous Colts team right now, and and I'll bookend it. You know, you've made the great point about the Chargers. I do think that's there's only one game each weekend in the last two weekends that's been played at one o'clock Eastern, and to make the West Coast team go and play in that game out on the East Coast, I think that that is patently unfair to that team. So, you know, I just I just don't like that. But Talking about the last game of the weekend, we've seen this game before. The Philadelphia Eagles, New Orleans Saints, yeah. 48-7 earlier this season. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of differences from last that prior meeting to this one. And the big one that I'll mention on your show is that at that point in time when the Eagles played the Saints, that first go-round, the Eagles had just gotten and just received the services of Golden Tate. They had a bye, they played Dallas, and then they played New Orleans. They were figuring out what they were going to do with Golden Tate. They were trying to work him into the office. They were using very little 12 personnel, a lot more of these other personnel groupings that are going to accentuate getting Golden Tate out on the field. And as we saw, it really didn't work out. They also have now Nick Foles, a quarterback. They have a better understanding of how to utilize Golden Tate. I think this game is going to be a lot different than what that first meeting was. So I, I'm. this is 
my favorite weekend of the year to be a football fan. Yeah. Because last weekend's great. The wild card round is great, but you have some teams that maybe don't necessarily deserve to be there, different injury situations. This weekend, you have the four best teams in the NFL who are all sitting at home getting healthy. They're going to be out on display against the four teams that won last week and deserve to be here this week. I think these games are, are it's always my most favorite weekend to watch football as a fan each week. I hope we get good coaches making good decisions and we get to see efficient football on, you know, all four of these games and, and may the best team win. You think the underdog trend, Warren, will continue as we wrap up today? I think that a lot of these underdogs have shots. That's one of the best things about this season, in my opinion, is that you can look up and down the roster, uh, up and down the, the teams that are left. Every single one of these teams, the better teams, have flaws. Every single one of these teams has lost games in ways that you think could be replicated once again by any of their opponents. And I think we're going to get a great divisional round. I think the championship round is going to be great. I think we're going to have a third straight, really highly competitive Super Bowl. I can't wait to see how the rest of the postseason unfolds. But um, anytime you give a good team with a good coach and a good quarterback a shot and you give them the ball, like they can game plan something. And I think all of these underdogs uh, with, with one exception, probably in terms of like a really good quarterback, I think they all fit the mold. I think they all can be very competitive and uh, I'm excited to see the way that these games unfold. Thank you, Warren. Great job with all the stats, all the data, all the Twitters, all the, uh, the websites. I hope that uh, your teams that you have in the playoffs uh, do well. And I hope that you'll join us again on Mitch unfiltered. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Unfiltered. All right, finishing up episode number 13. Three interviews right there for you. Jeff Goodman, 14 wins. What did I say? 14 wins. Thank you. Ring the bell. Give yourself a ring. Um, Jason Lockenfour scratching his head over what the Seahawks did and scratching his head over a lot of these hires uh, in the National Football League. And we haven't even gotten to that yet. Maybe we can spend a few moments on that because I, I think the whole Arizona thing leaves me wanting to take a shower. I need a shower every time I read about the Arizona thing. It really fires yeah. me up, on them, and I'm not sure why exactly I get fired up over this, but we'll get we'll get back to this. The Sharp interview in our last segment. So mm-hmm. Warren Sharp, for people who tuned in and didn't fast forward through it, um, is a is an analytics metrics guy. If yeah. you follow him on Twitter, it's fantastic. And he gives you numbers, and he's a consultant to a couple NFL teams, and he was just... You think I was pissed. You think you were pissed over the Seahawks-Cowboys game. Mm-hmm. He wrote a string of 10 tweets that I thought were just fantastic that your buddy Pete Carroll would call, as he did on Monday on, on, on his radio show, garbage. Garbage. He garbage takes. Anybody who is questioning Brian Schottenheimer, otherwise known as... Shoddy. Shoddy. Yeah. Anybody questioning him is garbage. I heard the the, the radio show, and he, he kind of segued from the game to the year and how great mm-hmm. of a job he did for the year. And I don't think... Which think, is not wrong. That's right. I, I don't think many of us would argue that point, mm-hmm. but he's deflecting the real point, which is what kind of job did Shoddy and what kind of job did Pete Carroll do in that particular game? Mm-hmm. And if you ask Warren Sharp, 
I could read you some of these tweets. I would love to hear that. It's fantastic. It's a string. They go one by one by one. Seahawks fans, we're going to have a long talk about Brian Schottenheimer. Seattle doesn't have Blake Bortles or Case Keenum at quarterback. This is Russell Wilson. 16 Wilson passes on Saturday night, 8.3 yards in attempt. 21 non-Wilson runs on Saturday night, 2.8 yards per carry. One of the worst called games with a good quarterback I ever remember. That's tweet number one. Hello, opening salvo. Pete and Brian, comma. It's now 2019. It is not okay to lose a playoff game because the other team stopped your run game when you have Russell Wilson at quarterback. You must adapt in-game. You did nothing. It's insulting to your players and fans. You lost this game because of your play calling. Tweet number two. Woo. Tweet number three. You should have known entering this game that Dallas was number five against the run and number 16 against the pass. You should have known that the Dallas pass defense ranked 31st in success rate the last month of the season. But even if you did not prep for the game to understand Dallas, how do you not adjust in the game? Next tweet. Russell Wilson averaged 8.6 yards per attempt and recorded a 106 rating. The Seahawks running backs averaged 2.8 yards per carry. In the first half on first downs, your runs averaged 2 yards a carry, passes 14.5 yards per attempt, and yet you kept running and running on first down and second down. That's a tweet, number four or five, right. whatever it is. Right. I'll skip down to my favorite one. Warren Sharp. I've never seen a more puzzling game plan in the playoffs where you knew ahead of time that they had a good run, D. Mm -hmm. Ring the bell. You have a very good quarterback. He's healthy. Game starts and you can't run. The pass game is working. You're losing in the second half. And you run early and often in the second half. Never has he ever seen something like that. And there's more and more, yeah, I, more and more and more. What is his? What is his Twitter handle? His Twitter handle is Sharp Football. There you go. Sharp Football. He's a follow. You got to follow him. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you heard him in the last segment. Anyway. Yeah. Um, the Arizona Cardinals have made their their selection. There's like six teams that have hired co hired coaches in the last like 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're keeping track of all these yeah. and whether you even care. Adam Gase is now a Jets coach and the the Broncos hired the the defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears and the Cleveland Browns promoted from within the offensive coordinator did such a good job. Mm -hmm. he, and uh, you heard what Lock and Forrest said about the guy that Green Bay hired, which is, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Well, honestly, what are you doing? Yeah. And the tweet, and the quote, which I don't have in front of me now, which was just because you hung out and broded up, yeah. you hung out and broded up with Sean McVay, that doesn't mean you can run an NFL franchise. Right. And boy, Packers fans are not happy about that. They, uh, they, they, yeah, not yeah. happy about yeah. that. Um, and so, um, you but, like the Gase thing, or you, and 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 also the the Kingsbury thing, where you get fired, and then you get another job immediately. immediately. Well, Kingsbury didn't get fired. I mean, he did. He, he did. did. But he, he did was, get fired. He got hired by USC. He got fired okay. at Texas Tech. And then he got hired by USC. Yeah. And now he's a head coach in the National yeah. Football League.
the thing about and I don't, look, I don't know much about Cliff King, Kingsbury except that he had a great offense at Texas Tech and a terrible defense, and he's also been a. I remember him as a quarterback, mm-hmm. and I also know that he he handled some pretty good ones like Patrick sure. Mahomes and and Johnny Manziel and whatever. To me, the story here, and I I, I guess maybe this is an old story, but is the Arizona Cardinals, mm-hmm. and I and I tweeted this out the other day. Um, Mitch at Mitch underscore Seattle, and you're at Jason D Hamilton. Um, I tweeted this out the other day that there should be a rule. Maybe I didn't even say this. This is the way I feel. There should be a rule in the NFL that if you fire a head coach that you went on a search and you hired and you brought him to town mm. and you only give him 16 games, I don't care what he could go 0 and 16. You hire a coach if there if there aren't what I would call extenuating circumstances. Now. You know, if a guy goes out and kills somebody, mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously extenuating circumstances where you would fire a guy after 16 games. To me, you don't fire a guy after 16 games, mm-hmm. somebody that you hired. And if you do, and you feel that it's that bad of a hire, there should be a rule. General manager has, has to go to. out with him. Whoever hired him has to go out with him. Should be an NFL rule. If you, if, if you can't keep a guy around hmm. more than 16 games... Then whoever, if the if the guy who hired him is still in that building, out he goes. He goes with the head coach. No way. That's the way I feel about it. I mean, it's a little bit of hyperbole, yeah. but you understand. I just yeah. think it's seedy. Yeah, it Why? is. It is. Okay, this guy was the defensive coordinator, of the, and I don't know anything about Steve Wilkes. Yeah, I, I I watched his team the last game of the year play hard. Yeah, and nearly beat the Seahawks right here, like they always almost do. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about him. I don't have any affinity to him. I don't have any connection with him. Here's what I know. He was a defensive backs coach, and then he was a defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. They went on a big hiring search last year. They found him. They brought him in. And 16 games later, I don't know of him being a bad citizen. I don't know of him breaking any laws or getting into fights. with. They they decided they didn't want him anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I tweeted that out, and somebody quickly threw back Jim Mora in my face. Because the Seahawks fired Jim Moore one year right. after he, was, he was head coach. Right. Yeah. Say it. He was in the in the system. He was Big with difference. the organization already. Big difference. He okay. was here for a few years. Yeah. He was working under Mike Holmgren. He they decided it wasn't working. I didn't by the way, just for the record, I didn't like them firing Jim Moore. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that year was a disaster. Remember the whole kicker, oh, yeah. the whole oh, cut. Yeah. 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 I thought and I didn't love the hire of Pete Carroll. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I did. I thought I thought Todd Lewicki. In fact, if you recall, Jim Mora was sent out to do the end of the game, the end of the year press conference. You remember this? Yeah. And he was talking. As, I mean, Is he it, didn't even. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't even, know. And while he was on the mic, while he was like on the mic, Lewicki and Paul Allen's people were down in L.A. trying to hire Pete Carroll. I thought that that was in bad taste. But yeah. but to your point, exactly. There's a difference between hiring a guy from the Carolina Panthers to bring him across the country, give him his first head coaching job, and fire him 16 games into the season, and hiring from within a guy that's been in the building for three or four years, mm-hmm. here, but still not great on the uh, on the Jim Moore. And by the way, yes, that's the same Lywicki who is going to be leading the new Seattle NHL franchise, right. which, by the way, brings us to the next thing. Did you know that the commish was in town today? Gary Bettman. Did you know that? Did yes, you go did. see him? Did you have lunch with him? Uh, no, I did Take not. Take him to Daniels? I did not. Did you hear his announcement? No. He made two very, very important announcements. I'm not an NHL guy, but it's a big announcement. He said, 
All-Star game coming to Seattle within seven years. He's going to mm-hmm. give the NHL All-Star game. I guess that's a February deal like the NBA All-Star game. Yep. And it's a big weekend, and it's a very festive yep. and, and great for the city. And NHL draft, they move that around coming to Seattle. So the momentum, Fantastic. the NHL momentum just keeps going and going and going. It's going to be huge yeah, here. Yeah, it's, obviously. It's going to be huge. People are I mean, very excited. I'm going to get Regardless of those two announcements, which I, you know, I, I've been – you know, I've got a couple of trips coming up, and I've been preparing for that. So yeah, I have it's it. London. You're L- going to see L- the changing L- yes, of the guard. I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> Will you call Big us? Ben. Are you going to call Big us ben. from London? I want you to call us from London. Just tell us where you are. Okay. You can call any time you want. Yeah, just check in. Just check I'm, in. I'm, I'm, I might actually be in front of Buckingham Palace and be like, "Hey, Mitch, I just, <laughs> I just saw the old changing of the guard here, and uh, thought of you." Will you speak with an accent when you call? No, <laughs> no, I will not. <laughs> I will not do that. All right. Let's see. Is there anything that uh, you have that you want to discuss that we didn't get to are, on today's you, lucky episode number 13? Are you going to actually look at your tweets and find a one or two to respond to or no? Okay. I request your son's review of the new Spider-Man movie. Oh. There's, they're already requesting Max's movie picks. Well, you you know he's in show business. You put, you put that out there. So Max might get some airtime. Yes. Uh, how much did home field advantage play into the Seahawks loss to the Cowboys? Do you think if all things are the same, the game was in Seattle, that they would have won? Well, I mean, of course, I think they would. I thought they were going to win in Dallas, so of course, I would have thought they would have won in Seattle. If you had the same same outcome, play by play by play, then then no. But uh, you know, based on what our friend there, Mister Sharp, said, yes, that that's going to tell the tale. Should have won in Dallas. Shouldn't have mattered where the game was. The game could be played on Jupiter, right? And I don't mean Jupiter, Florida, where Tiger lives. I mean up in, up there. Yeah. Somewhere up there. Do the Seahawks need Le'Veon Bell? These are the types of questions we got when we went on Twitter. Do the Seahawks need Le'Veon Bell, or do they need to get back to having a defense that's so good they eat up 80% of the salary in order to compete with the Rams and the 49ers? Okay, there's nobody that thinks that the Seahawks need Le'Veon Bell. No. If you think that the Seahawks need Le'Veon Bell, you didn't watch the games. The running back situation is not a problem. Would no, you agree? I would agree. They've got they weren't successful in running against a very good defense against Dallas, but that that doesn't have anything to do with needing Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, this one's for you. What does the Pac-12 need to do other than fire Larry Scott <laughs> to be competitive in football and basketball beyond financially, which is a large factor? But uh, is coaching ads? What's the what's the problem with? But you want to take basketball on? What's the problem with basketball right now? Uh, Jeff Goodman said that Arizona is the problem. Arizona and UCLA are they the are. problem. They he are. thinks, are the hey, problem. look, if the Pac-12 is going to be good in a year, Arizona and UCLA have to be good. They always have to be good, and they're not good anymore. And that's a big problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah. It, it is a huge problem because nationally, they are kind of the needle for the Pac-12. Yeah. When those two programs are good, big media market in LA, Arizona's got the tradition, right? If they have national championship or top 15 type caliber teams yeah people then think okay the pac-12 is a good conference if you know if uh stanford or utah is your best team i think it's a problem yeah it's a problem any chance mitch you will be doing more appearances on local or national radio shows loved listening to you on 99.9 earlier this week you know what 99.9 is it's the rock the rock of seattle yes they call it the rock of seattle yeah yeah i did a i did a radio show 
And apparently some people heard it. Did you hear the radio show? It's the first time I've been on. I was so effing nervous. After you already curse, you're going to just drop the effing? Yeah, I, I, I said BS, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was so nervous. Yeah. I can't tell you. I don't even know why. I was just so nervous to be on radio, live rate, live morning yeah, Seattle studio, radio. Live. I was just I hadn't been on in yeah. in like seventeen or eighteen yeah. months or whatever it is, fifteen or sixteen months. And so I was on a show, um, uh, BJ and Migs. It's called on KISW. BJ Shea and I are kind of longtime rivalish. Mm-hmm. We went up against each other on morning show radio for a long time, and basically he kissed, he kicked my ass. For years and years and years, mm. I used to walk into the boss's office and he would put down the numbers in front of me. And it was all, I was always somewhere underneath KISW in the morning show ratings. <laughs> the only question was, how many notches underneath them was I going to be? <laughs> it was a good day when I was like just right underneath right them. Underneath, yeah. It was a bad day when I was four or five or six spots beneath them Mm -hmm. but uh, boy did I get tired of that Mm -hmm. that got tired and then I go into the show and I see what was beating me all this time and you know yeah like what the that that racket (laughs) (laughs) no they were very nice yeah those guys were very nice and BJ who I didn't know at all except that we would bump head we would never see I never met him before right since since my issues and my problems has reached out reached out immediately like immediately, he and his and some people from that station uh, reached out and were very, very That's supportive. Great. And so, um, I've had the opportunity to go on a few different radio shows and do a few different TV things, and it wasn't right, quite right for our family. And I've exp- expressed that to you, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and so I decided, what the hell, it's time to do one. Let's do BJ Shea because he's been so nice and supportive That's... and welcoming, and it was it was a good time. I, I you know I, I hope that people enjoyed it. But the answer to the question is I have no no I I the only commitment I have and responsibility and schedule I have Mondays and Thursdays right here, Mitch unfiltered with a few patron episodes here and there mm-hmm. in between. All right, you have a good trip. Thank you. All right, you're gonna go see the Washington Huskies. Hopefully, get off to a two and zero start. In uh, in Pac-12 play, yep. and then you're going to go off to the changing of the guards, and you're going to call us on our on our next podcast, which yep. will the next regularly scheduled podcast, which will be number fourteen, will drop on Monday. Mm-hmm. At which time you will hear Jason D. Hamilton in an English accent from Buckingham Palace. If that doesn't if that doesn't set a record for most listens to a Mitch Unfiltered podcast, then we ought to just. Yeah. Close up shop. Yeah, this is quit the business. Right. This is me acting like you about the photo. Never gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's episode number thirteen. My thanks to our sponsors again, Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue, Zeke's Pizza, and of course Daniel's Broiler. Enjoy the weekend of the National Football League, and we'll speak to you on Monday morning with episode number fourteen. <laughs>